Welcome back to another episode of Pop That Corn. I'm your host, Jora, and this week was pretty cool. I released the first episode, which you can go ahead and listen to if you haven't already. That one is on Stardust, one of my favorite movies ever. And at this point in time, I don't know how it's doing because I'm recording this before it actually gets released. Um, I hope it did well, and I hope you guys liked it. So future Jorah will see. Uh, let's see, what else did I do this week? Oh, I got new plants for my room. I love plants. I'm attempting to keep a bonsai tree alive. I'm really reading into it and learning about it. Uh, we're going to see how that goes. I finally got to replant some succulents into my painted pots I did. Um, we're one week closer to Halloween and my birthday, actually. My birthday is next Thursday, the 22nd. I'm going to be 22 on 22. Hashtag Taylor Swift, even though I wouldn't deem myself a Swifty, but I like her music, so there you go. And then, of course, Halloween, and let me know what you guys are doing to keep the Halloween spirit this year. Uh, I know it's difficult with quarantine. We can't really go out and do anything, but we can stay indoors, and in a safe manner, you can socially distance with your friends and do something. Um, I'm decorating my room. I'm watching scary TV shows uh, like Bly Manor just came out this week, The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix, and Charmed is also on Netflix, of course. I watch that every year. Um, and, you know, let me know what kind of movies that you guys are going to be watching. Whatever you consider your Halloween movie, let me know what it is so I can watch some new ones. Um, you know, I've watched The Addams Family, The Conjuring, The Halloween Movies, uh, Disney Halloween Movies, As Above, So Below. Not sure if it's still on Netflix, but that one's pretty scary. I've just, I've been watching any Halloween stuff I can, so let me know what you guys are watching. And speaking of Halloween... This week's episode is on Coraline, which is definitely a Halloween movie. It's just one of my favorite movies, hands down, of all time, ever. And honestly, I really don't have enough merch for the amount that I love this movie. <laughs> I tried to get one of those Coraline dolls at Target sold last year. My friend has one, and she said she got it there, and I went, and they didn't have any more. And then I've been looking this year, and I cannot find one that was as good as hers. If you guys can find one, let me know. I would really love one of those dolls. Um, but the one with the button eyes, like it mimics the doll that she receives in the movie. That's what I'm looking for. So please let me know if you find one. Um, or if you make them on your own, like I'll support you. Small shops, love that. But anyways, back to Coraline. So Coraline is a stop motion animation movie that came out in 2009. It was directed by Henry Selick. The budget for the movie was $60 million. The box office was $124.6 million. The running time is one hour and 40 minutes, and it features actors like Dakota Fanning, Robert Bailey, Terry Hatcher, Keith David, John Hodgman, and so many more. Um, and here is our first pop fact uh, of my show. So pop facts are just little quick tidbits of information that I find while researching the movies. Um, their first pop fact is that it took over 500 people over four years and 18 months just to do the principal photography for this movie alone. That doesn't include, you know, all the animation and the putting it together and the editing, just principal photography. That is just so much commitment and effort and it honestly shows like when you're watching it you can tell that the the people who were involved in creating this masterpiece that is Coraline 
really cared about it, really put their blood, sweat, and tears into that movie. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 90%. Uh, I would have given a, given a uh, 100%, um, but that's just me. I actually don't know if there's any movies that Rotten Tomatoes has ever given 100%. I haven't seen one, um, but now I'm going to do some research tonight and figure that out. <laughs> um, if you guys know any Rotten Tomatoes 100% movies let me know i'd love to uh give them a shot because i really want to know what rotten tomatoes holds to the top of their list <laughs> so the next thing i want to talk about is the themes of this movie there is honestly a lot of darkness to this movie um even because it's supposed to be like a kids movie my little cousins absolutely love this movie um especially my littlest one her name is milan shout out to milan and she since she was super little, would watch this movie with me and be totally okay with it. Um, she's like my little demon cousin. It's great. Um, <laughs> so it is dark. Um, dark is definitely a theme in this movie. So is home, uh, knowing what's home and, you know, where you feel like you can settle down and just be comfortable and like where you're living. Uh, same thing as taking things for granted is another theme um you know she wishes to have all these different things and when she gets it she you know there's that other saying that's be careful what you wish for so that definitely applies here too um and i think love of course love of family um and oh being cunning and courageous uh you know she has to really build up to being brave and like facing the beldam eventually so just keep an ear out for those different themes while you're listening as i discuss the different scenes that help represent those main points that the movie is making but first i want to talk about the amazing film score that this movie has the soundtrack to Coraline is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time um secondhand to sleepless in seattle i can't say it sleepless in seattle that is one of my favorite movies ever which i will definitely be doing an episode on soon um that's my number one soundtrack and i'll explain why in that episode um but Coraline's soundtrack is so good so fun to listen to so spooky um i actually will listen to it when i'm studying um correction when I did study because your girl graduated this spring actually so wow that's interesting uh won't be a while till I uh study again because I'm planning to go to grad school anyways beside the point irrelevant the film score of this movie is great um my favorite is the end credit scene which I looked into because I really wanted to know what they were saying it's not even a real language uh hashtag pop fact number two it's not even a real language the guy just like mimicked it um, the writer mimicked it after French kind of ish, but it's really not actual words. They just created this, these sounds for these people to sing. And it sounds like they're kind of saying words, but really they're not, uh, which is just so cool. And I really hope that you guys enjoyed the music as much as I did. Um, of course there's the other father song, which is so great too. I love singing that. I wish it was longer. Um, let me know if you guys had a favorite film score, uh, soundtrack song <laughs> anyways, but let's start off with a little summary of Coraline. So I tried to wrap this up in a nicer way than, uh, Google could for me, but, uh, I'm just going to use what Google said because I think it's the best way to put it. While exploring her new home, a girl named Coraline discovers a secret door behind which lies an alternate world that closely mirrors her own, but 
in many ways, is better. She rejoices in her discovery until other mother and the rest of her parallel family try to keep her there forever. Coraline must use all of her resources and a bravery to make it back to her own family and life. Once again, thank you, Google, for the great summary of Coraline. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for, time to start talking about Coraline. The opening scene itself is fantastic. The beautifulness that is ASMR, but for your eyes, watching this doll be transformed into a new doll, which matches Coraline, is just so satisfying to watch. Like, I could just sit there and watch that and be satisfied. Like, it calms me watching that scene. Plus, you add on the beautiful soundtrack in the background is just mwah, chef's kiss beautiful. And this brings us to our third pop fact, which is that the Ram Ramped Brothers, who are the animation artists of Coraline, actually make a little appearance in the beginning. The moving van says Ramped Brothers on it, which is their name, and the two come out, and that is supposed to be them. And the director of the movie is actually on the dollar bill that Coraline's father tips them. That's a two-for-one pop fact. Now enter Coraline. So Coraline obviously matches what the doll is wearing in the beginning that we saw. So we can already tell that there's going to be a connection between wherever that doll came from and Coraline. So she is at this new house. She's trying to like explore different things. She takes a dowsing, dow, oh my gosh, dowsing rod to find water, which is used by water witches. And that's when we see YB and YB is, um, an interesting character. Uh, I feel like at times Coraline was a little rough on YB, but honestly, if I was their age, like YB would be annoying as hell. Like Coraline's supposed to be 11 years old. It's only natural for her to bump heads with another 11 year old boy. So although their relationship, they're like friends, but like, like frenemies, cause she kind of doesn't want to be his friend, but it's also like the only kid that you can hang out with. And I remember those friends and I had those friends. I call them convenient friends, you know, when they're like, they're not really someone that you're going to be friends with for years, but they're there and so you can conveniently be friends with them. I've definitely had those like in classes that I've taken and you meet one person and you have their phone number just for that semester and then you never talk to them again. Uh, so that's what Coraline and YB seem to be. YB's entrance is just very loud and obnoxious on his motorcycle and yelling at all this and obviously scaring Coraline. And Coraline gets a little back, a little jab back at him when his grandma calls him and in the distance you hear, you know, why born? And then Coraline's like, oh, I hear someone calling you. Why were you born? Like, damn girl, what a burn. I was hurt by that and I'm not even wibey. Moving on to the relationship that is presented initially between Coraline and her parents. Coraline is very colorful and bubbly in her bright yellow raincoat and her boots and her personality while her parents and the house that they now live in are very dreary and muted colors, gray tones, very like displayed very much the opposite of Coraline, which is where you can see why they would clash uh, heads, butt heads all the time. Her mother is very hardworking and goal oriented, kind of detached from the whole mom thing. Not that she doesn't love Coraline, but Coraline as being an only child just wants to be entertained. So I totally understand where she's coming from. However, I still think it's harsh that her mom tells her, quote, I don't have time for you right now. Like, yeah, I would want to go somewhere else too, especially at 11 years old. 
Coraline's mom then gives her the doll that YB has dropped off that uh, he found in his grandmother's trunk, which just happens to look just like Coraline. And right off the bat, we see just how creepy this really is. This doll looks exactly like her. If I was given this doll when I was her age, I would have definitely not carried around with me like she did everywhere. It would have been put somewhere in the dirt, like, but it's a movie, so I digress. Then we see her dad, who is also working. He's a writer. He is a class A dork. I think it's so funny that they have him type with one finger. Like, as I was watching, and, like, every time I watch a movie, multiple times I find something new. And as I was watching it this time around, I was like, oh my god, he's, he's just sitting there typing with one finger in his dreary little room with all these papers stacked up. I mean, could they have picked a better way to display this man? I don't think so. So her dad suggests that she goes and wanders the house and explores and just count things. And this is one of my favorite songs, uh, the Exploration song, a perfect name for the Exploration sequence. Uh, she counts the carpets and the windows and she squashes bugs with her hand like a champ because I would have never done that. Uh, she goes into the furnace room and accidentally shuts off the lights and then, you know, she's just, now she's kind of having a little bit of fun with her surroundings and we see that she has a snow globe collection um, and then like randomly the doll just decides to move on its own that's I'm now I know for a fact at 11 years old if I saw a doll move on their own no thank you bye bye shred the doll go away that I would have nightmares for days but this bish just goes and oh there you are where'd you go you know found you what no so her mom and her make a deal that she'll stop bugging her if she opens this little door that she's found well they open the door and lo and behold it's bricks there's nothing there kind of boring. Coraline's a little, uh, disappointed, but she moves on. And just a quick tidbit as I'm thinking about this now, I feel like part of the reason she's okay with the doll has to do with something that Belle Dame has done. Um, you know, it's like she uses the doll, right, to see everything. That's like her little windows to the, to the other world kind of deal. Um, you know, Coraline claims it's creepy, but like, yet she takes it to dinner with her and it sits next to her while she sleeps. Like, I feel like there's something definitely going on where, I don't know if she puts a little whatever magic on there for the child, but it definitely is drawing Coraline in without her noticing it. Now we're going to move forward to when she actually goes into the other world. So it's nighttime, she wakes up and the jumping mice lead her to the other door where she crawls through this magical tunnel and now she's in this bright and happy world and it matches her personality so well. So she is bright and happy and, and eccentric in the other world, not the other world, her normal world, but it's gray and dreary there. It doesn't really fit in and you know, she definitely stands out in the crowd, but then she goes over to the other world and she fits perfectly. So that's definitely shown with the coloring and the artistic design of the set and the characters. Coraline automatically notices that her mother, other mother, has button eyes. And I would have asked so many more questions. Coraline just brushes it off, uh, which she does a lot in this movie. But we're gonna ignore that for the most part. Otherwise, I would be repeating myself on that point. She goes and gets the other father, who is now in his room where there's a piano, so he's totally different than the other world. Oh my gosh, not the other world. <laughs> I have to stop saying that. Then her normal world, and he sings a song, and it's so cute and so up 
upbeat and fun and it's definitely one of my favorite songs. I keep saying that, I know. I have like three favorite songs and then the rest are, I still love, but top three, Other Father Song, Exploration, and the end credits scene. While she's at dinner, she is just getting all the food that she wants where in the normal world she you know didn't even really like her food and it was like mush but now she gets mango milkshakes and a gravy train and I mean they're really just selling this other world to her hardcore. Although she has a wonderful time that evening she does have to go to bed at some point she wakes up in her normal world and she knows it's real she feels like it's real but of course her parents think it's a dream. Later, we see that she is delivering things to Mr. Bobinski in the normal world. He is a Russian acrobatist, acro acrobatist, acrobat, good lord, acrobat, um, who loves to eat beets, which I think is funny because if you know me personally, and um, if you don't know me personally, now you do, I freaking love beets. I don't know why, but ever since I was little, I would eat red beets like crazy, uh, especially at Soup Plantation, R.I.P., if you know what I'm talking about and you somehow have the knowledge of the beet recipe there, uh, go ahead and send it my way. And I thank you sincerely if you do. <laughs> so he is the owner of the dancing mice who help slash lead Coraline into her doom also. Um, but they actually tell her in the normal world, he says the mice have a message for you. They say, don't go through little door. Like, so on one hand, they're helping her, but on the other hand, the Bildam can control them because later on, they lead her to the little door. So it's definitely confusing for her. Does she listen to the mice that are helping her and warning her about the danger? Does she listen to the mice that allow her to go back into the door that she wants to go into? Well, then we're introduced to Miss Spink and Forcible, two lovely, wonderful ladies who are ex-burlesque dancers, current roommates, and lovers, which when I was little, did not know. Now that I'm older, totally makes sense. And it's like in the official Coraline like wiki fandom thing. Um, so they're just two great little old ladies who I totally aspire to be when I'm older. I'm going to be that cranky and have that many dogs. <laughs> so they uh, read her tea leaves and they tell her that she's in danger. Miss um, Spink says she's in danger while forcible claims that there's a tall handsome beast in her future when she's 11 years old and we know it's the danger. So she walks away, she kind of is thinking about things and she runs into YB who's looking for slugs and you know he's not listening to her and at this point she's frustrated because everything in her current world is not what she wants it to be. She wants people to listen to her, she wants people to understand her and to basically do what she says. Um, as an only child, I can attest that that was my mindset too when I was her age. However, Coraline does learn information while talking to YB that is of importance to her, which is that the doll uh, was not created to look that way by YB, um, and it was, she, he just found it like that and it happened to look like Coraline. And he says, you know, the doll's probably even as old as the Pink Palace, so very old. Um, and. Coraline just is like, how does it look just like me? You know, that's just so weird. And of course, YB's not listening to her and Coraline just gets so frustrated. So she goes back home to her boring house. That night, the jumping mice, who are the bad jumping mice, um, lead her, because she leaves out some cheese, lead her back to the door. And she goes into the other world once more. 
once again, she's into this wonderful other world where she just, that's where she longs to be. People listen to her. She's the center of attention. She gets what she wants. She does what she wants. And we, I mean, we even see how her parents worship her in this other world where in the, her normal world, they really don't pay that much attention to her. You know, they're focused on work and stuff, but here she is the center of attention so much so that the other mother designs a garden in the shape of her face which honestly reminds me of this old show by HBO called Crash Box. I don't know if any of you guys watched that when you were younger. Um, I did all the time, especially like late at night when I was just watching TV during summer. Like I would binge HBO Crash Box. In fact, I just went and rewatched it on YouTube. I loved it. I remember I like obviously wasn't as entertained as I was when I was little, but I definitely understand why I was so entertained by it. So if you haven't yet, check out Crash Box on HBO and you know, bring back some nostalgia to your life. So, Wybie in the other world has been, quote, fixed by the other mother. He basically had his, uh, I don't know, tongue taken out. He can't talk, basically. She just took away his ability to talk, which is great for Coraline, but, you know, we see how that's not ideal. You know, you don't want things to just happen like that to other people and Coraline at this point doesn't realize that it's a bad thing uh, and so she's just so happy that now she can hang out with somebody else who does what she wants to do and doesn't say anything. I've been there that's relatable especially as an only child or I don't know if you have siblings let me know did you ever feel that way because I definitely was like can I just have someone here to do what I want to do because I'm like all alone. So it totally makes sense. And the Bell Dam knows this, which is why she knows it's going to really bring in Coraline to this idea of finally staying there forever. YB and Coraline go to see the other Bobinski uh, performer show. And it's all about Coraline. She's like the main aspect. They go to Ms. Spinks and Forcible and they see their show there. And it's all about Coraline. She's the star of the show, right? She's just basking in the limelight that is her other world. And, of course, eventually she has to go back to her normal world. Where it's dreary and sad and mopey and muted. And she doesn't like it there. She's telling her mom all of these stories on the trip to the store. And she's picking out um, uniforms. And just to attest to her wonderful childlike eccentric spirit she wants to pick out a pair of orange striped gloves that's all she wants to spruce up her boring uniform in her boring school at her boring town right just how she says and her mom does not want to buy them for her which is normal you know kids always want everything they see and so i get why her mom says no however at the same time i understand why Coraline is so upset because she just wants to express herself and is unable to do so However, in the very next part or time that she goes into the other world, she's given a whole new outfit with blue boots, which are beautiful. I definitely want a pair of those and a starred jacket uh, or sweater. And uh, I'm gonna put it out there now. I am planning to dress up on Halloween with my boyfriend and I think we're gonna be Coraline and YB and I'm really trying to find a pair of blue boots because this is the outfit that I wanna do of hers. I don't know if it's gonna be possible if y'all got links to blue boots and startup jackets or sweaters let me know anyways so she goes in this other world she gets a brand new outfit boom able to express herself this other mother is giving her everything that she wants everything that her mother will not give her and although this sounds fantastic we learn 
that it's really not all that it adds up to be because the cat who is the quote wuss puss from before uh, in the normal world is telling Coraline how it really is she he's laying it on the line for her that you know not everything is as it seems here I uh, I wouldn't trust her I mean he doesn't say it outrightly which is very annoying because you know I wish he was more direct and not so cryptic but he is attempting to help her and then so YB and and Coraline after talking to the cat go to see Miss Spinks Enforceable and it's a great show uh, it's fantastic the transformation into their better selves showing that in the old world they're you know not as good or not as uh likable in their normal forms where in the other world they're great and they're back in their youth and they've got their figures and they're all acro uh, athletic and doing their acrobatics and all this all this wonderful things that happen only in the other world. YB walks Coraline home and Coraline goes to enter the house and that's when we see YB, the other YB, frown and he's sad and he puts his arm on his, um, his hand to his arm and he's kind of worried for Coraline and uh, the Belle Dam, aka the other mother, tells him to smile, you know, don't, don't frown, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. So it's just very interesting to see all these different characters who know that the Belle Dam is doing something wrong and yet they really can't do anything to stop it. As Coraline enters the house, she is officially offered her button eyes and the other mother presents it like it's this wonderful thing while the other father mentions how it's so sharp you won't even feel a thing. And the other mother hits him and Coraline is shocked and scared and confused and she's like, okay, I gotta go back to bed. So she tries to go back to sleep. She can't go back to sleep and she wakes up and now she's still in the other world she goes downstairs, the other father is there, and he is clearly not himself. He starts to talk about how her strength is our strength, and we mustn't talk about the other mother when, you know, she's not here. And then Coraline asks about YB, and this is where we find out that he pulled a long face and mother didn't like it. It's so creepy. Like, this is the part in the movie where it totally takes a turn, and I mean, it was creepy before, but now it's like creepy creepy like even as I'm watching it now I still I don't want to watch it at night in the dark because it just gives me the heebie-jeebies and speaking of the heebie-jeebies when Coraline talks with the cat and actually starts to figure out all of the evilness that is the Bill Dam I mean she just turns into this horrifying person <laughs> like there's no other way to put it she grows into a spider-like creature and it's just so creepy like it's I mean for a kids movie and for my little cousin to watch this and not be afraid at her age I mean I I like I told you I'm 21 and it still freaks me out unfortunately for Coraline other mother is not pleased with how she reacted to this beautiful wonderful world that she has created for her so she throws her into the mirror where we meet the ghost children and that's when it all starts to connect that the other mother always wants new children she takes them sews buttons on their eyes because they are presented with this alternate world that's everything that they want and then she keeps them there and traps their souls there forever but luckily for Coraline the other YB pulls her out of the mirror and she is on a mission she goes to the other mother and 
proposes a game of hide and seek. She is to find her parents and the lost souls of the ghost children, or else she will stay there forever and let her sew buttons into her eyes. The Belle Dame accepts, and Coraline is off. She has to go through all the wonders that have now turned on her. The garden attacks her and tries to stop her, while the other father, somehow deep down inside, no matter how the Belle Dame built him, cares for Coraline and helps her. Then she goes to Miss Bink and Forcible, and they attack her, and all the bats, the dogs are now bats, and everything's turned against her, and she gets out of that one. And then she goes to Mr. Bobinski, and that is the creepiest one of all. I mean, the way his mannerisms of, or mannerisms of how he moves is so flowing and, and ugh, it's like, it's like one of those, uh, like you see them at car sales places and it's like the big blow up thing that like flails all over the place. That's what he looks like, but dingy and dirty and no face and a weird voice and super creepy. But with the help of the cat, she is able to acquire the last soul. She confronts the bell dam and says, you know, I found the last three souls, but the game's not over. I still need to find my parents. Well, the other mother has thrown the seeing eye stone that Miss Bink and Forcible gave her in the real world into the fire and has swallowed the only key that unlocks the door to the normal world. This is where Coraline becomes the clever little girl she is and she uses her wits and she tricks the beldam into opening the door and then throws the cat at her face. She tries to get through the door, but then, boom, her web unwinds. As we've seen a little bit previous, a couple minutes before, the outside world had, quote, unwinded. You know, her web is unwinding, right? And now on the inside, I mean, it's just, it's so clear, like, the imagery here is so strong because she's clearly supposed to be, like, this spider, you know, Black Widow type of figure, and, I mean, even in her home area, like, the central area, all of the furniture are bugs, like a bug and a spider web, and Coraline's, like, the flyer that's trying to get away, and, you know, when she turns the room into the spider web, all of the, f the bugs attach to the web, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's so heavy imagery and so well done how they incorporate such a strong sense of symbolism. And every time I watch the movie, I find a new thing to connect. I mean, even when I was watching this for this podcast, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I, I discovered a new thing. Well, as we know, Coraline defeats the Beldam. She makes it to her other world. She has set her parents free. She is now realized that everything that she has is valuable and precious and she now is not taking the people, the things, the places, anything like that for granted. And she is in a happier mood with her parents and now her parents, you know, have this great news that they've got the uh, book deal for the garden catalog. And so all these things are now coming together in this happy little ending. Except when later that night the ghost children throw some starry night sequence at her and explain to her that she's still in danger as long as the key is around because there's only one key so she needs to get rid of the key so in the middle of the night she goes out and she walks to the witch's well where the dowsing rod had led her earlier and for a little sub point here the beautiful design of the colors 
and her walking through the snow and I mean it's so pretty to watch with all the blues and the purples and it's it's dark but it's almost like uh, um, transcending it's just it's really nice anyways while she's at the well the hand is aware and she has been following her throughout this to get the key and sees the key the hand goes for the key and then YB saves the day and this is such a great moment because YB has come around, YB now believes her, and now their friendship is really going to build here, which is very sweet. Well, this brings us to my new epiphany that I had while watching this movie uh, for the notes for the podcast episode. When YB and Coraline throw the key down the well, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure they did this on purpose and I'm just now realizing it, but the image of the two of them throwing this down the well looks, mimics looks like the tunnel image of Coraline opening the door and looking down the tunnel to the other world. And the same goes for when they cover it up with the tunnel cover or the well's cover. It's just like when the button eye is covering the moon in the other world. And I don't know if I'm reading too much into this. I mean, I'm, I don't think I am considering how heavy imagery is in this movie. And symbolism and, and and that parallel is I mean has got to be on purpose how similar the look I mean the, the details of the sides of the tunnel versus the wells tunnel I mean they're very similar and so I'm wondering now after watching this just a couple days ago for like the hundredth time I wonder if they gave the key right back to the bell dam because they in the beginning say how water witches would use dowsing rocks to find these wells and they say it was so deep, if you looked up, you could see the stars in the sky. So what if it's like some kind of, like, uh, portal that almost takes you to the other world? And so they literally just delivered the key, wrapped up in a bow, right back to the other mother. I don't know about you guys. I feel like that's a possibility. I actually haven't read that theory before, so... If you have read a theory or theory th similar, let me know. I want to know what you guys think, because have you ever noticed that? Because I literally just noticed that, and I've seen that movie a dozen times. But like I said, every time I watch it, I learn something new. So after that, the next day, they have this great happy ending. They're planting flowers. Everyone in the pink palace is coming together. YB brings his grandmother, and Coraline is about to tell her the wonderful adventure that she just went on. Wonderful being a word but probably not the right word to describe what happened and that's where the movie ends and that concludes my movie discussion about Coraline that was a lot of information um I probably talked a little faster than I normally do but I had so much that I wanted to fit in and I want these episodes to be a little shorter on the shorter side I don't want me to be talking for a whole hour uh you know because that can get a little boring but I did definitely want to talk about this and I feel like I hit the points that I needed to hit. Um, it was really hard to narrow them down. If you guys had any other ideas um, or theories involving, you know, with the way the movie was presented or anything that I talked about today, please let me know. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I would love to interact with you guys like I always say. My, my overall review of this movie is 10 out of 10, fantastic, chef kiss, mwah, would recommend. It's so good. It's it's so much fun to watch. It's creepy. It's funny. It's cute. It's family friendly, but it also is good for adults. Overall, one of my top 10 movies, and uh, I'm really glad that you guys got to watch it and then listened in. 
So like always, please remember to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at popthatcornpodcast. You can find me on Twitter at popthatcornpod and on Facebook at popthatcornpodcast. And that is a closed group so that uh, everyone in the group has to be approved. You have to answer a couple of questions and, you know, it's a very safe zone, no bullying, no harassment, anything like that, where we can just talk about movies together. So if you're a fan of the show, please go ahead and uh, go ahead and request to join it. Fill out the really simple questionnaire. And I'm now available on Apple Podcasts. So if you could please rate, review, and subscribe, that really is the best way to get the word out there and help spread uh, the podcast and get more people listening. Um, I'm also available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a couple other places. Uh, You can see that in the link in my bio on my Instagram. I'm also working on a website, which will be up hopefully in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, It's hard to find the time with everything that I'm doing right now, but I will let you know as soon as that is up and running. Please remember to keep an eye out on my social media because every Thursday before the next Wednesday's episode is released, I will announce which movie it will be so that you have about a week to find and watch the movie. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great week and stay poppin'.